Not again. This simply isn't true. This is at the very least misleading, if not an outright lie. Even though I'm a Protestant, I really enjoy mining the gold from other Christian denominations. One of the practices I really enjoy personally is the divine office, otherwise known as the liturgy of the hours. Recently though, when I was doing the morning prayer, I noticed something that was disheartening. There was a specific deception that bothered me and it felt like an example of what I see in apologetics online and how the church is often portrayed. So I'm going to show you this deception. I'm going to give you some proof that it's a deception from church history. And finally, I'm going to explain why this is a bigger problem. But first, what is the divine office anyway? That's simple. It's a desk that God sits in to answer all of his emails. No, that's not it. The divine office is a structure of daily prayer done by monks and priests primarily, but also by Catholic faithful, Catholic lay people. To explain the history briefly, I'll use a quote from Hallow. Praying at select hours of the day, multiple times a day, has roots in the Jewish tradition. The Psalms in particular were prayed throughout the day. So the early church being made up largely of Jewish converts continued to pray the Psalms and similar way. It was simply part of their devotion to God and they kept it up. The growth of monasticism brought about various traditions in daily prayer, with many relying on the divine office framework. So over time, Christians developed, especially among the monastics, this system of praying through the Psalms, which is now referred to as the divine office and made available in convenient sources like this app. So now, what was this big deception that I came across? I was reading on the morning of December the 8th, which happens to be the Feast of the Immaculate Conception of the Virgin Mary. For significant days such as these on, in the liturgical calendar, the app adds an about section that tells you a little bit of details and history about that particular feast day. In this case, what I read was, today is the feast of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Many early fathers, including Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, and John of Damascus, commented on Mary as the new Eve who was free from sin. I paused there in genuine surprise. This simply isn't true. There is no way, I thought to myself, that saints as early as Justin Martyr and Irenaeus believed that Mary was free from sin. Mary as the new Eve, maybe, but free from sin? Perhaps John of Damascus taught this, but he was born in the late 7th century, so that's not nearly as shocking. And let me be clear, I'm not complaining about the whole thing, but there are two claims being made, that the saints commented on Mary as the new Eve, and that these saints also commented that Mary was free from sin. You cannot assume that just because someone calls Mary the new Eve, that they are also drawing the conclusion that she was sinless. I didn't doubt that these saints compared Mary to Eve. This is something that I could do myself as a Protestant. But what I doubted was these men taught anything resembling the idea that she was free from sin. Believe it or not, I used to run track. So imagine if I crossed the finish line in first place, the race director came up and congratulated me on getting first place. Next, my coach came up and congratulated me on winning first place. Finally, my mom comes up, gives me a big hug and says, you got first place, great job. You're the best runner in the world. And then I walk away and I tell everyone that the race director, my coach, and my mom said that I got first place and was the best runner in the world. Would I have any right to say that? No, of course not. My mother went farther in her compliments than either of the other two did. And you can't assume that just because they all agreed that I got first place, they also all agreed that I am the best runner in the world. So back to the reality of these saints. If I was right and these saints didn't write that Mary was free from sin, then this is a significant deception that pretends this more modern dogma of Mary is much older than it actually is. Of course, I'm aware that I I have a lot to learn. So I decided to take the opportunity to do the research because I might have missed something. So were my initial instincts correct or did the divine office know something that I did not? So let's browse through these church fathers. Justin Martyr, as I mentioned a second ago, was born around the year 100 AD, very early on in the Christian church. The quote in which Justin addresses Mary as the new Eve is this, Jesus became man by the virgin so that the course which was taken by disobedience in the beginning through the agency of the serpent might also be the very course by which it would be put down. Eve, a virgin and undefiled, conceived the word of the serpent and bore disobedience and death. 
but the Virgin Mary received faith and joy when the angel Gabriel announced to her the glad tidings that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon her, and the power of the Most High would overshadow her, for which reason the Holy One being born of her is the Son of God. This doesn't say anything about being sinless. As expected, it compares Mary to Eve, which is a really cool biblical parallel, but it makes no comment at all about Mary's sin or lack thereof. At this point, we can already say that the Divine Office app is stretching the truth at the very least, but maybe they got two-thirds right. Let's look at Irenaeus. Also an early church father, being born around the year 130, still very early on, has two quotes in which he brings up the comparison between Mary and Eve. I won't read through them both, but I'll put them up on the screen and there'll be a link in the description so you can check them out yourself. And in neither of these is her sinlessness mentioned. So to summarize, when I read the quote that Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, and John of Damascus commented on Mary as the new Eve who was free from sin, this is not a true statement. Had those last five words been deleted, the statement would have been true and much less profound for Catholics. But Justin Martyr and Irenaeus did not teach that Mary was free from sin. This is at the very least misleading, if not an outright lie. But before you leave a comment, I can feel you typing it right now. But Stephen, this is an argument from silence. It's not. Stop. Resist the urge. Stop. Don't. Don't do that to yourself. I'll explain why not. The Divine Office makes a claim. These three saints wrote X. I am replying, as a matter of fact, they did not write X. I am not claiming that Irenaeus or Justin Martyr did not believe a thing. That would be an argument from silence. I would need to provide additional evidence in order to strengthen that argument from silence. But I'm refuting a factual claim that they wrote X. You can absolutely still believe that Justin and Irenaeus believed in the Immaculate Conception, but you can't honestly say that they wrote about it. They simply did not. At this point, you're probably thinking, that I'm being too harsh or nitpicky. After all, why does it even matter that they got this one thing wrong? Is it really that big of a deal? It matters because it's not one thing. It's a pervasive issue. And it's not just a Catholic issue, it's across all kinds of religious conversations on YouTube. But nearly every time I come to a list of quotes from the Church Fathers in support of some kind of controversial dogma, it's filled with quotes that don't actually support the dogma in question. From a simple Google search in my research of this very topic, I found a list on this exact subject, the Immaculate Conception. Just from a quick read-through, the first six people quoted here, multiple quotes from six people, have nothing in those quotes about the Immaculate Conception or Mary's sin whatsoever. It's this kind of usage of the church fathers that isn't helpful for anyone, Catholic, Protestant, or otherwise. At best, it muddies the waters for actual conversation. And at worst, it's an outright deception. If you're Catholic, this sort of mistruth does you personally a disservice. It doesn't give an accurate representation of history. And that sort of shallowness of belief, if you do decide to believe the dogmas, doesn't prepare you to engage honestly and meaningfully with anyone outside of your faith. Either you'll perpetuate the lie in your own not understanding that it is a lie, or you'll be faced with the truth and feel deceived. Either way, you haven't been helped by the lie, only harmed with the potential of harming others. And for Protestants, there's a similar risk. If you don't do the research yourself or have a background in church history, then you might be shocked by this sort of claim. You might be swayed by these really strong and forceful words showing that this dogma goes back to the very beginning of the church without realizing that the most crucial aspect of the claim is completely false. In order to keep yourself from being deceived, it's critical that you have an understanding of church history before someone comes to you trying to, to convince you to join their church. To help with this, check out this great Protestant introduction to church history. Until next time, my name is Stephen Cram, and this is my apologies.